everybody. Welcome back to it yet again, another episode of the Fearcast. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist here in California. Um, and um, this is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, the anxiety spectrum, all things related to stuff that we can be afraid of. Uh, and also, and more importantly, the treatment of it and, and ultimately how to get your life back, whatever it is that makes your life important and meaningful and valuable. That stuff. That's why we're doing all this stuff. That's why we go through all the pain of therapy and having to do exposures and actually thinking about our thoughts and doing stuff we don't want to do. It's so that you can do the stuff that you want to do again. Or maybe you discover stuff you want to do for the first time. I don't know. All sorts of things that we can do. So um, today is going to be a bit of a full episode because I have I'm going to go through a question from a, from a listener. And not only am I going to go through a question, I'm also then uh, going to go through sensory motor OCD because their question, to no surprise, is related to sensory motor OCD. You didn't see that coming, did you? But there's going to be some uh, some caveats and stuff. So we're going to be bouncing around a little bit from my explanation to the question and back to another explanation and kind of going all over the place. So stick with me. Hopefully, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to do my best to not talk insanely fast. However, though it is 10.50 in the evening times, um, and I get up at 7 because I have a baby. I don't know if you all have heard, but... I drank so much coffee today, knowing that I was going to be recording, and I wanted to be attent- attentive and alert and, and ready to go. Um, I hope it didn't backfire on me, and then I'm just going to talk a million miles a minute, but I think I just do that anyways. So, for all of you listeners out there who usually listen to their podcasts at like one and a half or two speed, um, sorry, you're just going to have to listen to this at regular old speed, um, or slow it down. Uh, that's also... Uh, an option that you can do with the technologies. Before we get into that, um, if you listened to the last episode, you heard me um, complaining about uh, a a recent gig that I was going to do where I was playing bass for a big band. So I just wanted to give you all a follow-up. We had the show last weekend, and it went fine. I mean, it went. Um, And this is my, this is a Foss classic um, understatement, but it was fine. It wasn't the best show that ever happened. Um, But man, it could have been so much worse. I could have sucked so much harder than I did. But I got through the show. I played some notes. I missed a whole bunch of notes. um, And and it went. I survived it. Um, And it was it was a lot of fun, ultimately speaking. I learned a, a, a ton more about um, my instrument, a ton more about uh, playing live in that sort of setting. Um, and it's actually motivated me, so I'm actually going to get back into lessons with a actual uh, upright bass instructor. Because I need to get better at uh, walking bass lines because they're super cool and super fun. Um, but you know what? It didn't go terrible as my dumb brain had suggested it was going to. Now, did I get dirty looks from the drummer as I suspected? Yes, I did. I was right. But you know what? Ultimately, who cares? I played my thing. I'm not a professional bass player. And really, what does it matter? I've got this podcast. I've got my clients at work. I've got my wife and kid. I've got my friends and family. I've got all sorts of things going on other than that because I am more than just my bass playing. But we talked about that last time. I don't want to bore you with the whole identity thing yet again. Um, 
As a bit of a teaser, by the way, if uh, if you're in Southern California, this next weekend, we're going to be doing the SoCal OCD conference. It's kind of a minor local um, conference. There's going to be a ton of speakers, and uh, um, there's going to be kind of a main speaker, then a bunch of breakout sessions. Um, and it's, it's actually pretty cool because you give every speaker or every breakout session does it twice. So you get more of an opportunity to hear a talk as opposed to if you go to the national conference, there's like the big talk by the big person and it's in one room and they talk about it once and then it's gone. And if you have two talks at the same time, you're going to miss them. But we're going to do it twice. So um, I am speaking. This is why one of the reasons why I'm talking about it. So um, if you uh, if you are going to be there, awesome. Um, come and find me. Um, I'm uh, I would love to say hi. I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to uh, see if you have any questions or feedback about the podcast. But uh, it's just fun to know that there are other people uh, listening uh, other than um, uh, other than my grandma and mother-in-law. Um, I think my cousins listen to it, or one of them does. I don't know. They probably don't. But either way, it would be fun to know that uh, uh, other people are out there listening. Come on up and say hi. All right. That's about enough of that. So I'm about to jump into a question. Now, this question for all of you new listeners uh, comes from listeners just like you. Now, uh, if you have a question about OCD, about anxiety, about the anxiety spectrum disorder, about simple phobias or specific phobias, I suppose is what they're called, um, or just kind of anything that you're afraid of or anything even related to mental health, you can ask the question. And in a future episode, I will answer that question. You can go to the website fearcastpodcast.com. Go up to the Ask a Question link, uh, and it's going to go to a form where uh, you, you'll fill out your information. You don't have to put your real name, uh, but you'll email that off to me. I will get it, and um, in a future episode, I will answer it. Now, with that said, I just want to make a point on this. W- when you press submit, it's going to give you a little message at the bottom that's going to say something like, hey, thanks for submitting it. I'm going to update this because my question comes from a listener I'll specify my questions come from a listener. So what happened was this listener sent in one question and then I didn't immediately respond back. So they sent it again uh, and then they sent it again via Instagram. So they they sent me the same question a lot. So if you have a question, you can just email me once. I'm totally going to get it. I may not respond immediately. I may not respond at all, but I do get them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read both the questions back to back, and then we're going to talk a little bit about them. And buckle up, because one is uh, one is a short short question uh, or short little body of questions and information, and the other one is uh, in classic OCD post. It's very long, um, and that's not a uh, I'm so OCD dig. That is an observation uh, based on uh, multiple forums, emails, Reddit. Um, it's it's verbose, but that's fine. This is actually not the longest one I've gotten. In fact, it's it's kind of it's kind of reasonable um, in explanation. The one I'm going to be doing next time, or the one after that, is much longer. But we'll we'll get there. All right. So this question comes from Mumajed. He asks. I have sensory motor OCD way too much when I read. I fear I'll get distracted by different sensations while reading or studying. I would usually reread a line again and again to try to understand it well. I don't reread because I think I don't get the content as an obsession itself, but I reread because I didn't understand and enjoy reading the way I wanted to because I get distracted by different sensations. Should I stop reading even though I don't get the content? 
All right, so here's the second part to this, and it's going to be kind of the same thing, but just much, much longer. He asks, I have sensory motor slash hyper-awareness OCD about noticing breathing and light particles associated with the different light conditions. I fear this awareness of bodily sensations will not go away, and I fear that it would keep me from functioning consistently. I'm a medical student, and I care a lot about studying and getting high grades. When studying or reading, I fear I would notice light particles while I read. I fear they would distract me from getting to understand the content. The same thing with noticing many other sensations. I fear I would fail as a result of not being able to study. My question is, when I keep on noticing the sensations excessively, I get angry and sad. I would become very upset when not being able to study. I keep on trying to get the content as good as I should. I would repeat the text until I get a good grasp of it. I'm not rereading because I think I didn't get the content, but I'm rereading because I didn't get the content due to being overly distracted by my sensations. Sometimes when I understand the text the first time, I feel satisfied with it because maybe the sensations didn't bother me. Should I stop rereading even if it was because of the sensations? My ultimate fear is exam failure and noticing sensations forever. Thank you very much. All right, Mumajed, thank you so much for asking that question. Um, so for this, to kind of get into this, we're going to be bouncing a little bit back and forth. Um, but I think, you, so you mentioned that you feel that you have sensory motor OCD. So I, I want to go over briefly what that is for some folks who don't know what that is. Um, but first, I just want people to, to think for a second uh, and to turn their attention back to their breathing. I just want you to think about your breath. Just think about what that feels like. Take a couple, you know, take a, a couple of deep breaths in, out. Notice what that feels like. Did you feel anything different? Did you feel full when you breathed, when you inhaled? Did you feel the sensations of it coming out? Did you hear any weird sounds? Did you feel the air moving in and out of your nose? How did it feel going in and out of your throat? Notice those sensations. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you breathing correctly? Are you breathing right? Is that the way you've always breathed? Should you be breathing more? How about less? Should you be breathing deeper? Is it too shallow? Hmm. These are all good questions, right? So... I also now want you to think about your blinking, okay? So, your blinking, standard thing that we all do, usually. Um, how is your blinking right now? Are you blinking a lot? Are you blinking uh, not enough? Should you be blinking more? Are your eyes really dry? Are you blinking too hard? Have you always blinked that hard? Did you used to blink harder? Maybe you should blink harder. Or maybe softer is the key. I wonder what the right way to blink is. Now, if you have sensory motor OCD, you've, you've had these questions before. Now, this is specifically pertaining to folks who are, who are over uh, or who are hyper aware, rather, of their blinking and of their breathing. Now, um, sensory motor OCD uh, can focus on those, but it can focus on a number of other things, almost any number of other things. But 
to those with sensory motor OCD, this type or this manifestation uh, of obsessive compulsive disorder can be can feel devastating. It can just feel like their life is over. Um, and from a treatment perspective, it can also be uh, very very difficult to treat. Because um, and as we'll talk about the 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 treatment for it isn't just straight up uh, um, exposure and response prevention as uh, as some of the other manifestations would be. Or there's going to be significantly less of it. Um, it can feel frustrating because you and I always blink. You and I always breathe. You and I always are feeling our sensations in our body. So, to that person who's experiencing this, uh, it can feel like their trigger is always there. And the main thought or the main fear in relation to this can also just feel overwhelming. So, so why don't we just get into that? So, sensory motor OCD. So, as the name would suggest, it is yet again another manifestation of, of obsessive compulsive disorder. So, this is, uh, the, this is OCD related to anything related to your body, any physical sensations or functions. So, as the name would suggest, sensory, motor, the things going on within your body. And now, the general fear with this is that the attention to this sensation is terrible and horrible and needs to go away in order for you to live your life successfully or fully. In other words, you can't have a happy life until you stop noticing your blinking because it's always there. And you notice every single blink, you notice every single breath, and you're never going to be happy or successful or focused or enjoy life or find love or advance your career or be present with anybody until that all goes away. That's kind of the big fear. And that would be terrifying, right? It is terrifying. It is terrifying if that thought were 100% true. And if we all agreed upon it, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, if we think about sensory motor OCD, um, I, I know we've talked about this in the past about the the kind of the hierarchy, not the hierarchy, the uh, the different subtypes and how we call them and the names that we give them and all this stuff. And I've said, don't get caught up too much with them. Um, but I'm just going to get caught up with them just a, a little bit right now. You can kind of think about um, sensory motor OCD kind of falls under the umbrella of kind of hyper-awareness OCD, so just over-attention to something um, and way too much attention paid to one thing and magnification of that one thing because it's a mountain out of a molehill of whatever that molehill is. Um, and hyper-awareness can kind of be subdivided as well or can be under a separate umbrella of neutral obsessions. Um, but uh, neutral obsessions are just stuff that we worry about that, that don't inherently in and of themselves have any particular danger. Um, like if you're afraid of knives, I mean, knives can hurt people. If you're afraid of driving, you can kill someone or kill yourself doing that. Um, your blinking ain't going to kill anybody, especially you, especially somebody else. Um, so it's kind of neutral. It's nothing good nor bad. It's just kind of this thing that's out there. Now, again, um, so, uh, sensory motor can, or hyper-awareness OCD, as you mentioned, can include sensory motor, whether they're not exactly the same thing, but ultimately, again, it doesn't matter. It's way too much attention paid to one thing. Back to the OCD cycle itself is, as we've talked about before, the, the, the blinking is just this neutral thing that you're doing. It's just, it's a reality. You're blinking. And then 
the obsessive thought is this what if or if then proposition. So if I keep blinking, you'll never be able to be happy. That sounds terrible. That story, that anxious, feared story your brain's telling you is going to lead to anxiety. And you don't want to feel anxious anymore. So you're going to try to do something to make sure that that anxiety never, excuse me, you're going to try to do something to make sure that that anxiety goes away so you're going to feel better or that that story is never going to happen. So that's where that compulsion comes in. And now once you do that thing, it's going to make you feel better or it's going to give you this somewhat reassurance that that feared story is never going to happen. So what do you do? You do that compulsion and then you feel the sense of relief. Now from that relief, you feel better. So it reinforces the thought because we love feeling better. And whenever you blink, this neutral thing that didn't really have any association with it before now is going to be paired with this fear that you've had. Now this neutral sensation is now going to be paired with this previous thought that you had that also didn't make any sense. But now that you went through this whole rigmarole and then you felt better, so you got a little bit of a reward from it, as classical as classical conditioning would suggest, now they are paired. So now whenever you blink, you're going to have that thought. And now you're off to the races. And that's OCD in a nutshell. How do you like that? All right. All right. So sensory motor OCD as I mentioned, it differs from hyper-awareness OCD, which can include sensory motor. So hyper-awareness OCD can include sensory motor, but it can also include general things that you're aware of, like environmental sounds or the existence of your own thoughts. But we're going to focus for right now on just sensory motor. So some common obsessions related to sensory motor, some things that you focus on, as I mentioned, blinking and breathing. You can also focus on your heartbeat, Kind of hearing that, um, uh, hearing or feeling your heartbeat, ringing in your ears. If uh, those of us who have, who have tinnitus can also attest to this, that it's an obnoxious thing that we constantly hear. Uh, I'm saying we because I have tinnitus. I have ringing in my ears. I've always had it, um, but that's a long story. Um, and it's just something that we have. Um, you can focus on your swallowing. So the fact that you swallow, are you swallowing too much? Are you swallowing not enough? Is it too hard? Is it always happening? Do you have too much saliva? Stuff like that. Um, you can even be obsessed about the your, just your your body placement in space. So how your body is positioned, um, and even just ambiguous bodily sensations like the feelings in your hands, tingling. Um, feeling hot, feeling cold, feeling the needles, stuff like that. We can also notice stuff within our vision. Um, you might notice eye floaters. Well, some folks notice them a lot, and they see them a lot, and they become very acutely aware that they're around. All right, so if someone is noticing those things, what are some common compulsions? Common compulsions for sensory motor OCD are going to include distraction attempts, so trying to not think about it, maybe some thought suppressions involved with that. Um, there's going to be some mental checking, so whenever you're doing the behavior, when, when are you doing the behavior? You might be asking yourself, am I doing the blinking now? Am I feeling my blank now, whatever that thing is? So, you might also be evaluating how long it's been there, how intense it is. Is it more? Is it less? Um, trying to see that it's going to go away. Um, there, all, there can also be some maladaptive avoidances going on. So sleeping excessively is something that uh, some of my clients have done. So, I mean, if they're sleeping, they're not thinking about their breathing, right? Um, another can be drinking and doing drugs. If you're drunk and high, you're not really thinking about that stuff, or at least you don't care about it. Some other things that people can do can be reading articles online to prove that it's sensory motor OCD and that it's not something is actually wrong with you. So now that we've talked about some of common obsessions and common compulsions related to sensory motor OCD, um, what do we do about it? That's going to be the ultimate question, right? Well, I know we talk a lot about uh, exposures and you read a lot about exposures in anxiety land, but um, 
for sensory motoricity, one of the most important things you can do is actually mindfulness and acceptance work. Because um, generally speaking, the ex- exposures traditionally don't work. You might think about trying to do just straight up exposures to tolerate that feeling, but that oftentimes doesn't work because that's also not the fear. It's not the feeling itself. Because the sensation that you're experiencing is actually normal. It's blinking. It's breathing. It's the fact that your heart beats. You can become aware of these things. That tinnitus, the ringing in your ears, it's there. What we ultimately need to be able to do with this, we have to be willing to accept that 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 feeling, that sensation is actually just part of your body and part of your normal sensations. And that that feeling is just part of your experience as being a human, as being alive. You're ultimately now going to have to... You ultimately... You now have a new feature. You have a new awareness you didn't have before. You are now keenly aware of your blinking. The new feature. It's not a feature that you ordered. You didn't ask for it, but it's now there. And it's something that now that you're aware of it, you can't unsee. But there are a lot of things that we can't unsee or we can't unthink about. Two of them, for example, um, in Mary Poppins, thinking about how Bert may have been Mary Poppins' previous child that she cared for, which is why Bert doesn't really ask any questions and is totally fine with all the magic that Mary Poppins does. He knows. He knew the whole time. So think about that. Um, Another thing that you can't really unsee, Cocoa Puffs kind of look like rabbit poop. Next time you're at uh, the supermarket and you're looking at Cocoa Puffs, think of rabbit poop. And if you're eating them while listening to this, think about rabbit poop. All right, but back to normal. All right, uh, so you're going to have to be willing to be you're going to you're have to be willing to have that awareness go with you in all situations, in order for you to get the most out of life, despite the distraction of the sensations, because it's going to be distracting. But your attempt is to go out into life and live it to its fullest, as best as you can. Now, I want to give you a hypothetical. So let's say that you and I can, in fact, li- uh, experience the fullness of life, one hundred percent of the excitement of life. Maybe. All right, let's say we could. Your sensory awareness or the sensation awareness that you now have, unfortunately, is going to drop you down to 80%. Think about that as kind of a glass ceiling of your excitement and fullness that you can get out of life. You can no longer get to 100%. Now, is that fair? No. Is that sad? Of course it is. Um, But it's a reality. Let's say it's a reality in this hypothetical. But the best that you're ever going to be able to get out of your life is 80% of, of, of excitement or happiness or joy. Now, over-attention and fighting with the awareness of the sensations or just the, the sensations themselves, um, if that takes up half of your day and half of your attention and you're, f- and, and you're, and you're worrying about it and struggling with it, you, you now are only getting 40%. So, half of 80 is 40. So, you're now only getting 40% out of your potential enjoyment out of life. Is it worth it? Because now you're pissed off so much that you're not getting 100. You're not even getting your 80. You're now getting 40. You can think about your goal then for sensory motor is to accept that you can no longer get 100%. And to come to a place where you recognize that now you're going to have to work to be present with your life, despite the distractions and despite the overattention, to get as much of your 80% as possible. Now, if that sounds like a bummer, it may be. But to a certain degree, it's a reality that we have to accept. 
And the sooner that you do come to accept that, the sooner you'll be able to try to, sh to try to work to get your 80% and as much of it as you can. Otherwise, if you keep struggling with it, you're going to be down to that 40%. All right. So that's what comes with that that acceptance, and and acceptance work can be be done with a therapist, and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, talking with a therapist, maybe reading some uh, books on that, um, can be really really helpful. All right, so some exposures that can work really well for sensory motor OCD are actually scripting exposures because scripting exposures would be, uh, as we've talked about before, stories that you write about your worst case scenario actually happening right now. Um, and you write out this story in which the worst case scenario happens over the course of your life or a very specific scenario in which what you're afraid of most actually happens. And you reread it and reread it and reread it until that story becomes boring to you, till you just can't stand to keep reading it because you'd rather gouge your eyes out than keep reading it. Now, exposures work really well because, again, remember, the problem isn't the sensation because you may never be able to habituate it to it, but it's not the sensation itself. The problem is your hyper-awareness and the over-attention that you're giving it and the importance that you're giving it in relation to the happiness of your life and the uh, amount of energy you're trying to spend to try to get rid of the darn thing. So oftentimes within these scripts that you might write, um, they're going to be related to your life not working out as you want it to. Because you're thinking about your blinking, you're never present with your kids, you're never present with your family, um, you get fired from your job perhaps, or you, you never really succeed at it, uh, and you spend the rest of your life never being happy, never being joyful, and the last thing that you think about on your deathbed is, am I blinking too much? And then you die. Sounds pretty bleak, right? It is. But it's going to be there. Blinking will be there at your last breath and your last blink. So all of that, Mumajed, is sensory motor OCD in a nutshell. So so in a sense for you, it's to be able to... So you mentioned in your question, it's, it's about breathing. So you're going to have to accept that you are breathing and that your attention might pull you away. Your attention to the breathing might pull you away from your reading, might pull you away from your future medical career. Um, and also all the other relationship endeavors you get into, social in endeavors, professional things that you might do, it may pull you away from it. So I know I gave you some suggestions on uh, on some exposures you can do. I mentioned acceptance you're going to have to do, um, but I want to get back to your initial question itself, um, and that's uh, I'll just pull this up. All right, so your initial question is going to be so I'm going to read the first one and I'm going to answer a little bit, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about it. All right, so you said in your previous one, I have sensory motor OCD too much when I read. Um, I fear I get distracted by different sensations while reading or studying. So as I mentioned before, it's super common with sensory motor OCD. You went on to say, I would usually reread a line again and again to try to understand it well. Now, this would often be a common compulsion in relation to the fear of misunderstanding or the fear of missing information. However, you go on to say, I don't reread because I think I didn't get the content as an obsession itself, all right? But I reread because I didn't understand and enjoy reading the way I wanted to because I get distracted by different sensations. So, more on that in a second. But then you say, should I stop rereading? Yes, yes, you should stop rereading. Um, even though I didn't get the content? Yes, yes, you should stop rereading. With those, you're going to have to be accepting that you might have missed something. You might not fully understand it. 
one one exercise that's super common with this, and anybody can try this, um, is as you're reading, you take a little piece of paper and you put it over the previous stuff that you read. And as you're reading, you read one line and then you move that paper over that. And you read the next line and you slide your paper down over that previous line to prevent you from going back. And your job is then to not go back. And you know what? Maybe you missed something. Maybe you're distracted. Tough. And you'll have to sit with that discomfort that maybe you missed some pivotal and key bit of information that's going to be the difference between you succeeding and failing in school, or going to be the main difference between why it is that you don't get that internship or that placement, or why you're not going to match. So, any of those things might be on the table because you didn't read that line just right. Now, why I'm picking on this is that because you said, I didn't really enjoy it uh, the way that I wanted to. Now, enjoyment of it isn't necessarily something isn't necessarily something related to uh, sensory motor OCD. Well, yes, um, that is part of it. It can certainly be related to sensory motor OCD, but it can also be entirely separate and kind of this focus that you need to be fully present and get the fullness out of every experience that you're doing. So this may or may not have been the, the point of your question, but um, I'm reading a little bit of that in there, so I'm just going to explain it to folks and just kind of go over it because it may have something to do with them. Because you also pointed out that you get distracted not just by your breathing, but also by this light particle stuff, by, by just different light um, situations. Um, so some of that, again, is going to be distraction by something that's out there, maybe hyper-awareness to the light. Um, now, a lot of folks can get really caught up with these neutral sensations, and I'm going to say the light particles are a neutral sensation, and and it it, it kind of one of the fears is that they're never going to fully experience, they're never going to fully get whatever it is that they're doing. Now, it's kind of like the FOMO of OCD, the fear of missing out, that you're not really going to get everything out of it. Um, it's kind of linked to perfection. Uh, in my mind, there's a little bit of perfectionism in it that you didn't get all of it. Um, but some other common examples of it is going to be fear of not enjoying movies, um, fear of uh, not really enjoying your work, not really enjoying your hobbies, not really spending, not really enjoying the time you're spending with your friends, uh, not getting out of the fullness of your school experiences, things like that. So again, this enjoyment is going to differ slightly from sensory motor OCD. But again, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. Sensory motor OCD is going to, again, be focused on your physical sensations, whereas the, the over-awareness is going to be dealing with just kind of things outside of you. So, so related to the things outside of you or related to the hyper-awareness, you're going to have to welcome the existence of the light in those particles as being distracting and that they may continue to distract you forever. Because they're going to be there. It's kind of like the floaters in one's eye or the just sounds that we hear. They may distract you forever. Uh, and to the point of enjoyment, remember that now because of this newfound awareness uh, and the wild overvaluation of its power in your life, of the light and the particles, you may never fully enjoy the reading as you previously had or as you have wanted. I would say with this in mind, part of your goal in treatment is to resist rereading, as I mentioned before. So accept that you may have missed some information. Furthermore, to abandon any expectation that you'll enjoy it to the degree that you did. And to drop an expectation that you'll be able to enjoy it, enjoy it to a specified amount. But to do the reading, because it's important to you, both personally and for school, which is also important to you. So, do those things because it's important. 
but also then to refocus away from the expectation that you're supposed to feel a certain amount of happiness, but rather to focus on whatever level of happiness or satisfaction that you got from reading it, whether it was 1%, 10%, 50%, or even maybe you got 99% out of it, who knows? But to say, I'm going to read it because it's important. Maybe it's going to feel incredibly valuable to me, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it, or it's just going to be boring as snot, because it might be. And you're going to say, maybe this is the most happiness I can get out of this reading today. Now, obviously, with this whole process, we can challenge the legitimacy of some of the thoughts that you're having. In other words, that, that, that you have to get this full amount of enjoyment out of it um, through doing some cognitive restructuring. Some of the things you can do is to challenge the importance that you really enjoy everything you read or everything that you do. We don't. We're, we're not going to. You can challenge the importance that you will enjoy reading to the same degree or at all. You may not enjoy the reading sometimes. You can question the importance, you can question the reality that you're going to internalize and fully grasp everything that you read. I mean, especially medical texts. Now, I've not been to medical school, but I imagine it's complicated. You probably won't fully internalize it. Um, but that's probably to be expected. It's probably really hard. You can also challenge that expectation that you're going to enjoy the reading like you've enjoyed reading Harry Potter or Princess Bride. And by the way, to that note, everyone should read The Princess Bride. You've probably seen the movie. Read the book. I know everyone says the book is better. The book is better, um, and for a number of reasons. Um, and after you read it, you'll understand why the movie is the way that it is. That's a separate conversation. Lastly, in relation to this, is that you can recognize this as a neutral concern. That while being annoyed and having this be kind of an unwanted thought and it's pulling your attention, um, it doesn't pose a catastrophic danger to you. You're never going to die. It's never going to kill you. It's just kind of annoying and it kind of sucks. But that's okay. There's tons of stuff that's annoying to us. All right. So lastly, I want to go over two things. I want to go over some exposure exercises that you can do and, and some acceptance stuff that, that you can do. And some of these exposures are actually, there's going to be some overlap between the sensory motor stuff and kind of this enjoyment um, perfectionism stuff. Um, but ultimately, the goal is to try to lean into that fear that you might be distracted, that you might not fully enjoy it. So, one of the first things is go and read with distraction. So, read with playing music on, with the TV on, go outside, read inside. Um, read in public places like reading in coffee shops or read with an earbud and with music going on or even listen to this podcast while you're trying to read. It will distract you and will be annoying, probably. Um, read while you're on a bus. Read with distraction and accept that you're distracted and may not get fully, fully, uh, in full enjoyment or read or understand everything. Um, next, you can read with a time limit. So, read as fast as you can and set that time limit and discontinue reading when it goes off and do not go back because you're not going to get everything out of it. And really, reading that fast is kind of unenjoyable. You can read the book sideways, which can be difficult. Um, also, with scripting, um, write, the, write a story about how you're never really going to enjoy reading again and how much of a bummer that is and the sort of impact that's going to have on your life. All these things can help. And if you are working with a therapist, bring in some of these suggestions if you're not already doing them. Lastly, with, with acceptance. And, and we've already talked about this, but it's going to kind of be a broken record, so I apologize. But um, observe, and as you're reading... As you're reading next time, uh, simply observe and notice the urgency to seek out and enjoy reading. 
You can simply notice what that feels like while resisting the urge to give into it, to try to make yourself really enjoy it. Um, forcing ourselves to do something like that is almost a guarantee to make us not enjoy reading. Also, next time you read and you feel that sadness, accept that feeling of sadness as just part of your reality. Accept the feeling of emptiness, sadness, and yearning, and, and frustration, and uh, and all those things that you feel um, when you're not feeling what you should be feeling. I put that in quotes, what you should be feeling. Identify where it is. Where do you feel it? Sit with that. Observe it. Describe it. Make friends with that feeling. Because like, like it or not, you are feeling that feeling. It's there. And we'll need to accept that it's part of your life while you read, while resisting doing further compulsions. When you realize that you can keep reading and feel whatever degree of enjoyment you are or, or not, or and whether or not you're understanding it or not, but you can continue to go to class, you can take tests, you can read and do all sorts of other stuff, it actually frees you from no longer being beholden to the unreasonable requirements of your anxiety. But once you do that, you can actually pursue reading and education to the best degree that you can and not the best degree that you're unattainably obligated to by your anxiety. All right, so I know this answer kind of meandered and kind of went all over the place, but there were kind of some other elements in it. And, and again, practice really with this, noticing and accepting that, that there are going to be these neutral experiences outside of you and within you. And we can, when we can work to tolerate the existence of those things, because we're going to be distracted either through, you know, car sounds outside or through um, just general environmental sounds by our neighbors, by the TV in the other room, all sorts of distractions we're going to have. Um, if we can accept those while resisting doing compulsive behavior, that's ultimately going to be your goal. It may not be that you're fully happy with it, but then again, com were compulsions making you happy in the first place? Probably not. So I would say one of your main questions is, should I stop reading? Yes, stop rereading. But accept that you might have missed something, you didn't enjoy it, and move on. You got all the information that you did out of it. And then see what happens. Take a risk. It can be hard, but it can be worth it. So to everyone who listened, thank you. Uh, to Mumajet, I hope this answered your question. Um, but give it a try. If you have some feedback, let me know. But good luck. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Thank you again for making it through another episode of the FearCast. So, um, if you liked this episode, uh, uh, go on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give it a like. Give it a review if you if you uh, could. That would be great. I would really appreciate that. Um, if you have any questions about sensory motor OCD, hyper awareness OCD, neutral obsessions, things like that, uh, feel free to shoot me a, a question about that. You can go over to fearcastpodcast.com. Go to the Ask a Question link there, and you can ask a question, and uh, I'm going to get it. Trust me, I'm going to get it. I see them. If you're in the Southern California area and you have nothing to do this next weekend, um, stop on by the SoCal OCD Conference. There's going to be a number of great speakers, myself included. Um, I think there still might be some spots where they expanded it because they had just uh, uh, filled up their original quota and uh, they were able to get some more spots. That's fantastic. So, um, 
Thank you again for all of you listeners out there. Really does mean a lot to me that you do in fact listen, that you do in fact send questions. Um, it's uh, it is always surprising that this little podcast has taken off and that people are listening and people are asking questions. So the more questions I get, the better. The more questions, the more podcasts, the more opportunities for you to get your questions answered. So as always, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.